Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Now, you probably know that there are four accounts, uh, ancient accounts of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, We've heard uh, Matthew's account this morning, just ten verses from it. Each of the Gospels put a, a big focus, they devote a lot of their space to the Easter narratives, what led to Jesus' death and what happened at his resurrection. They all give us accounts by different eyewitnesses of what happened that first Easter day. If you have a Bible with you or you've got one on your phone, I encourage you to open it at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Uh, That's the first book in the New Testament and the last chapter of that book. Some of the words will be appearing on screen in a minute, but it's great to have it in our hands as well. And... um, One thing that, well, I wonder what you noticed in the reading. So the reading was split in two this morning. We had uh, the first five verses, the women coming to the tomb, expecting that they were going to um, prepare Jesus' body for burial. They hadn't had time to do that on Friday because the Sabbath was beginning. Uh, And then then we had the the reading was finished um, with, uh, with what the words Keith has just read to us. But I wonder if anything struck you. I always find when I read the Bible... um, particularly if I've got to preach on it, but actually, well, normally, actually, if ever, I, if ever I focus on it, there's always something I haven't spotted before, even a narrative like this that many of us know so well. I wonder what struck you. The thing that struck me is that there are four mentions of fear. Four times the word afraid is used in um, this English translation. The guards were afraid... The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Uh, They hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. And then they're told by Jesus, do not be afraid. Fear. I wonder how you are with fear and anxiety and worry. I have the privilege of knowing some of you. And I know some of you struggle with that. I know I struggle with that sometimes. Uh, Some of us, even if we appear to breeze through life, um, I suspect you struggle with fears or you know people who are close to you who struggle with fear and anxiety. And in a sense, we have gone through a a period when many people have been very anxious and worried. And the world is is a worrying place, is it not? So fear and anxiety and worry are real. And they were real that first Easter morning. Uh, Just because we stand here today on Easter Day and say, hallelujah, Christ is risen, that doesn't mean that um, we're in denial about the difficulties and the problems that we face. Um, Just back to to Matthew's Gospel. So Matthew of the four Gospels is generally recognised as being the most Jewish of the Gospels. He appears to be writing to to people who've come to faith in Jesus from a Jewish background. And there are lots of clues of that in the Gospel. He quotes what we call the Old Testament lots and lots of times. But something very interesting happens um, on Easter morning. Um, Well, a couple of interesting things, actually. Look look at this passage on the screen. Firstly... um, just down there at the bottom, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said to the women. They came him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Now, if you're a Jewish person, who do you worship? 
You worship God only. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the absolute axiom of the Jewish faith. There's only one God, and him we worship. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and your strength. The first commandment is, hear, O Israel, you know, you should only love God. And here we have the women on Easter morning worshipping somebody. And who is Matthew telling us this somebody is? He's a human, but he's more than human. And, something, and so something very un-Jewish, something that is breaking the wineskins of their Jewish faith, that is fulfilling it and, um, and, and pushing the boundaries of it. And something else that's happening, something that, that again, we might take for granted. Who, who are the, uh, you know, apart from Jesus, who, who, is the, who are the main focus of this passage? It's women. It's women. In all the gospel accounts of the resurrection, the women have pride of place. And this is very surprising. It might not be, seem surprising to us, but in their culture, it was very, very surprising because women were not regarded as reliable witnesses. Uh, and so if, if somebody had make, been making this account up after the event, there's no way they'd have put women in this position. The fact that it's the women who were entrusted with this glorious message and told, go and tell the apostles all about it, the fact that, you know, this points to the, the accuracy of it. This isn't something you'd make up. But it also, again, it challenges our preconceptions. These women were coming to the tomb, coming to do a very, what in their culture was a very feminine job, preparing a body for burial. And they're told, go away and be the prime witnesses of the resurrection. So, so wonderful things. But let, let's come back to these, these fear words. Um, you notice twice in that passage, there is the command, do not be afraid. Once from the angel, the, the Lord's angel. Um, another interesting thing there, because in the Old Testament, the Lord's angel, there's always a lot of ambiguity about whether the Lord's angel is the Lord himself or a messenger or an agent of the Lord. But anyway, the Lord's angel says to the women, don't be afraid. And then a few verses later, Jesus says to the women, don't be afraid. Now tell me, those of you who are warriors those of you who are anxious, how helpful is it when somebody says to you, don't worry, don't worry, be happy. Is that helpful? It doesn't seem like it, does it? So what is the angel of the Lord and Jesus doing saying, don't be afraid? Uh, somebody, I've been told, you might have read this as well, that in the Bible there are 365 commands not to be afraid, one for each day of the year. I haven't counted myself, but I'm, I've heard that from several people. 365 commands. So there must be something in this, even if in ourselves we think it's not a very helpful thing to be told. There must be something in it, and I'd like to sort of delve into that a little bit more this morning. But I want to say something first. The Bible is not a self-help manual. If we come to the Bible with the attitude of, I've got a problem, and somewhere in this, there will be some way of helping me solve my problem. That, that is not really the best way to read the Bible. Two people do read the Bible that way, but that's not the way the Bible invites us to read it. The Bible invites us to read the Bible and to read about what God has done for us. To read about what Jesus has done for us. To, re to read about the kind of God we worship. Now, the Bible does have advice on how to live and commands on how to live, but they're always advice and commands in the light of the kind of God we're being, appoint we're being pointed to. And therefore, the fact that we are told on Easter morning not to be afraid, if we immediately dive into 
Oh, how, how, what, what, are the, what are the techniques I can adopt to, to stop me worrying? We're, we're, we're barking up the wrong tree. We have to focus on what happened that Easter morning. Jesus rose from the dead. Everything has to be seen in the context of that. So let's, let's think a little bit about what it means not to be afraid. Uh, and the first clue is worship, actually, at the end. Because, in a sense, that is... That is the answer. That is the answer to all our anxieties and actually every issue we face. But let's think what that worship actually means for us. So uh, the first do not be afraid is followed by the command by the Lord's angel, come and see. Come and see. Come and see that Jesus has risen. Come and look in the grave and behold the grave clothes are empty. There is no dead body here. Come and see the evidence. Look at the facts and, 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 and allow your fear to come into conversation with the reality that Jesus is not dead, he is alive. Now, what are the kind of things that people are afraid of? Well, I could ask you to tell me your fears, but you, you probably wouldn't want to go too public on that. But let me suggest to you, I think, some of the things that I think people are afraid of. People are afraid, I think, in many cases, firstly, of truth. People are afraid of the truth often about themselves. Uh, sometimes people have stuff in their past that they are afraid of, afraid that that truth might come into the light, afraid that somebody might discover the kind of things they've done. Or sometimes maybe it's even deeper than that. It's people are, have a sense of shame about the kind of person they are. And they, and they really don't want anyone to find out about that. And the whole of life can be lived as a kind of, a kind of charade. Trying to prevent everyone else seeing the person I feel myself to be inside. Isn't it interesting that right at the beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve, when they sin, when they first rebel against God, the first thing they have a, a sense of is their nakedness. And, and, and this is, I think, us being told, uh, an insight being given to us that actually the first thing we feel when we think about God very often is we don't want to be seen. We don't want the most intimate parts of ourselves to be seen. We don't want God to look into our hearts and see. We don't, certainly don't want other people to look into our hearts and see the kind of things that we think in, our, in those moments when, when nobody's looking. Is that true? Are you afraid of the truth? But Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And what does that say to those fears? It says that when we come to Jesus in faith, those fears, that shame, that guilt can also be left in the grave. Jesus has risen from the dead and when we place our faith in him, our sins have been taken away. They have been nailed to the cross. Our shame has been dealt with. We can stand before God naked as it were but unashamed. Believing that he is a God who sees everything about us and yet loves us because he sees in us the beauty and wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus is alive, but he was dead, he died, he opened wide his arms for us on the cross, his body was broken, his blood was shed for us, means that we don't have to be afraid of the past. Don't be afraid of the truth. 
I think something else people are afraid of is, is the future. What's going to happen? Often we're afraid that we might lose something, something we've got that we might not, we might not still have. might be our health. We've been, spent two years being obsessed about you know, health and the fact that we might, our health might decline. Um, but a lot of people are very obsessed about their health or, or maybe their body shape, uh, getting old, um, losing money, uh, your savings being eroded, um, loss of relationships, or maybe not achieving the things that you feel you should be achieving in life. A lot of young people are put under huge pressure and huge expectations to achieve much. Some of, some of you have got exams coming up, and you might be afraid, afraid of the future. Am I going to be able to fill the expectations I've put on myself or that other people have put on me? Am I going to find somebody to live with and spend my, the rest of, share the rest of my life with? Am I going to be able to have children? All these things. Am I going to be able to find a job? Am I going to be fulfilled? All these things make us anxious and afraid. And not surprising, many children and young people today are very anxious and afraid. But Jesus has risen from the dead. The grave is empty. And therefore, what do we know about the future? It is secure. Whatever happens to us in life, and we don't know what's going to happen, and we're not promised that life is going to be easy, but we do know that we have an eternal destiny that is secure. That we are God's children when we place our faith in him and nothing can snatch us out of Christ's hands. That we have a home in heaven that is built on solid foundations, much more solid than any foundations we can have here on earth. And why do we know this? Because the grave was empty on Easter morning. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. So we might be afraid of the truth. We might be afraid of the future. We might be afraid of God. And, and actually, it's not irrational to be afraid of God. You remember when Jesus was crucified, there were two thieves crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And, and one thief um, repented and, and, and was promised by Jesus that this day you will be with me in paradise. But the other, sne the other thief sneered. And, and joined in the mockery that everyone else was, was doing. And the thief who repented said to the other thief, do you remember what he said? Do you not fear God? Do you not fear God? The centurion supervising the crucifixion, the one who said, surely this man was the son of God, we read in Matthew's account, he was terrified. He was terrified when he saw what was going on. The guards at the tomb... They too were terrified. It's not unreasonable to be afraid in the presence of God because God is awesome in the true sense of the word. God is utterly shocking and terrifying. And yet, Jesus is risen from the dead. And Jesus rose from the dead to reconcile us to God so that we could approach the throne of God with confidence. So that the day on which we meet him face to face should not be a day of fear and trembling for us but a day of joy, knowing that the Father comes running to meet us just as he came running to meet the prodigal son. Jesus has risen from the dead, and therefore we have confidence. And so the first antidote to our fear, the first response to our fear, is to come and see, to come and look at the resurrection, to come and examine the evidence if you've never looked at it, because there's massive evidence that Jesus really did rise from the dead. But it's, it's, the only, it's the only thing that really makes sense of the facts. Come and see. 
Come and see. Come and think. What does it mean to you? And, and learn to see your fears and anxieties in the light of that. Self-help techniques, you know, yoga, mindfulness, all that stuff. Good luck with that. But the one thing that really will be of eternal usefulness, eternal value for us, is to fix our minds on Jesus, the one who died and rose again. So come and see. Secondly, the angel said, don't be afraid. Go. Go quickly and tell. And then Jesus said to the women, don't be afraid. Go and tell. Oh, that's interesting. Don't be afraid is immediately followed in both instances by go. Now, the thing about fear, and I know this because I, I am a worrier, actually. And the thing about fear is it's, it's hard to stop yourself feeling frightened, isn't it? You, know, you, you can tell yourself stuff, you can do all the mindfulness stuff and so on, but, but it's, quite, it's quite hard to stop yourself feeling afraid. But what can you do? You can act as if you're not afraid. And I don't think that's a dishonest thing to do. I think that's, I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. If you're feeling afraid, feel the fear and do it anyway. When Peter was invited to go, get out of the boat, was Peter afraid? Yes, to some extent he was, but he had to get out of the boat anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. I think those 365 times, if there were 365 times in the Bible when we're told do not be afraid, I think if you read them, you'll find oftentimes the same thing's happening. People were told, don't be afraid, now get up and do something. Think of people like, you know, Gideon, this, this little shaking little man who was told to go and, and, and engage the armies of the, the Philistines with a tiny group of people, and he was frightened. And he was told, go and do it anyway. Think of Moses, this man who was tongue-tied and said, please ask my brother to do it for me. And God said, do it anyway. Think, and I say this very, very reverently, think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. I wouldn't like to say that Jesus was afraid, but there is a sense of anxiety, isn't there, in what he was saying? Yet, nevertheless, not what I will, but your will be done. Yet, nevertheless, however I'm feeling, I'm going to do what I know you want me to do. You know, we live in a society where feelings are king. You can never question anyone's feelings. You know, it's the trump card in any argument. You made me feel, or that situation made me feel X. And I think, as followers of Jesus, we sometimes need to take our feelings off the throne. Our feelings do not trump everything else. The fact that I don't feel like doing this thing does not mean God is not calling me to do it and isn't expecting me to go and do something even though I don't feel like doing it. You know, it could be worship. You're all here, well done, on a Sunday morning, on Easter Day. But sometimes we don't feel like worshipping, do we? Sometimes we don't feel like praying. Sometimes we don't feel like telling people about Jesus. You might not feel like getting baptised. You might not feel like living a life that glorifies Jesus. But the Bible doesn't say, oh, well, if you don't feel like it, don't worry too much. The Bible says, don't think about your feelings, think about what I'm telling you to do. 
We might not feel like being hospitable. We might not feel like making ourselves vulnerable and admitting to another, one another, that we struggle. Some of us, our personalities, make that extremely difficult to do. Some of us might not feel like admitting our mistakes. But God says, feel the fear and do it anyway. Now, I've been doing the Alpha course with, with some folks here these last few weeks, and it said, I, I said there were 365 times apparently in the Bible where it says, don't be afraid. According to Nicky Gumbel, I haven't counted, according to Nicky Gumbel, there are 1,514 times in the Bible where we are commanded to go. So that's more than four a day. <laughs> so, so folks, one of the other things about fear is that actually sometimes our response to fear needs to be to go. Four, time, four, four times as many times we're told to go than we are told not to be afraid. So, Jesus says to us on Easter morning, don't be afraid, come and see. Look at me, look at the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, don't be afraid, go. Go and tell, go and talk to others, go and live out this gospel. But there is a third thing, and I'm going to jump now to John's gospel. Uh, and this is John's account of Easter morning. John chapter 20, if, you're, if you've got your Bible open. Uh, let me read it to you. And again, there are some repeated words. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together for fear of the Jews, sorry, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. See that fear words there again. See? They were afraid. The doors were locked. They were shut in, worried. Jesus came. Jesus came that evening and stood among them and said, Peace be to you. He didn't say, Don't be afraid. He said words that perhaps mean a similar thing. Peace be to you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, I've missed out a few verses here just to get it on the screen. If you've got it in the Bible, you can read the whole account. Again, Jesus said, peace be to you. He repeats himself. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. You see, he got the going there again. John's got it as well. I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, not very COVID friendly, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. A week later, we've had the, the incident with Thomas. Um, Thomas wasn't there, and he said, I don't believe any of that. Uh, but a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, oh dear, the doors are still locked. They're still frightened. Not a good look. But the doors were still locked. Jesus came again and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Come and see. Come and see. Put your finger here in my hands, in my side. Uh, stop doubting and believe. Peace be with you. You see, Jesus says to us on Easter Day, he says, come and see. He says, go and tell. But he also says, be still and receive. Wait and receive. And, I, and I've just been a bit negative about feelings, because feelings must not be on the throne. But actually, the Lord Jesus wants us to feel something on Easter Day. It's not just to be in our heads. It's not just to be in our hands and our feet and our actions. It's to be in our hearts as well, this Easter thing. Jesus says to us, peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Know in your hearts, in the depths of your being, that I'm alive. That you don't need to fear anymore. That life has been changed forever because I'm risen from the dead. Jesus says peace three times, he says it. 
there in John's Gospel. Peace to you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes to us as a rushing wind. And our fears and our anxieties and all our other concerns are, they disappear just like that. Maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you've had that experience of the Holy Spirit coming as a rushing wind and in a moment transforming the whole, your feelings, your heart. But sometimes the Holy Spirit is a gentle whisper. Sometimes the Holy Spirit walks with us and he talks with us and he ministers to us and he comforts us and he helps us over a period of time to be aware of the peace and the joy of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And for some of us, that's our experience. We don't try and put the Holy Spirit in a box. We don't try and say the Holy Spirit always has to do it this way. But we do believe that the Holy Spirit, who the risen Lord Jesus poured out upon his church, the Holy Spirit does transform us. It transforms our minds, it transforms our actions, but it also, the Holy Spirit also transforms our feelings. Are you and I open today to the Holy Spirit? Are we open to the peace which the Lord Jesus wants us to experience this Easter day and always? Because for Christians, every day is Easter day. Every day is Resurrection Day. So just in conclusion, as we sort of uh, come to, towards the end of our service, as we think about the, the wonder of the empty tomb that Easter morning, I just encourage you to think about these three commands that Jesus gives his followers on Easter Day. Come and see. And some of you, a bit like me, some of you are sort of more analytical sort of people, and coming and seeing and looking at the evidence and thinking it through and having our minds changed is within your comfort zones. Great. We're also told by the risen Lord Jesus, to go, to do something, not to be defined by our feelings, not to make them our identity, but to go and tell people, however uncomfortable we find that. And for some of you, the extroverts, the activists, the doers, that's in your comfort zones, and that's great. And some of us are told, like those disciples we read about in John's Gospel, peace, Wait, be still, receive. And some of you, the more reflective ones, the quieter ones, that's in your comfort zones. But here's the thing. Jesus says all three of those things to all his disciples, to all his people. They are there for all of us. And is your response to Jesus this is today a balanced response? Or is there one of those things that you tend to focus on? And is there one of them that Jesus is saying, this Easter day, you need to do more of that other thing if you want to grow in faith and holiness. That's the challenge I leave you with this morning. Jesus wants every one of us to hear those words, come and see, come and see the empty tomb. Come and, come and think how the whole of your life should be transformed in the light of that. Go and tell, get busy, do something for God and for his kingdom. Proclaim the good news. However unlikely, even if you're like a, a Middle Eastern first century woman who no one's going to listen to because you're a woman, nevertheless, go and tell. Wait, be still, receive. Which of those things is God telling you to do? 
It's wonderful, isn't it, how Matthew says that the women uh, and also the disciples in John 20, the, women, the, the, the disciples were afraid and yet overjoyed. That's quite a good balance, actually, to have this, this awesome fear of who God is and yet this joy this Easter morning. So let's be still for a moment. Just think about those phrases on the, sc on the screen and I invite you to respond in the quietness to the risen Lord Jesus and ask him for the Holy Spirit's help with the thing that you know is your biggest challenge, whether or not you're an anxious, fearful sort of person, which is the thing that actually you hear his voice saying to you this Easter day. Jesus Christ, risen and ascended one. Thank you that you are alive, that the tomb is empty, and we pray that you will help us by your Holy Spirit to live our lives in the light of that, to come and see, to go and tell, to wait and receive. And in all of this, we, like those women, bow down grasping your feet and worship you and say, thine be the glory, risen, conquering son, endless is the victory, thou, O death, has won. Amen. We're going to, be, we're going to finish by uh, singing together, and we're going to finish with two songs, actually. Uh, so please stand if you'd like to, and let's use this time, um, as those women did on the Easter morning, to worship the risen Lord Jesus Christ.